This is Democracy, a podcast that explores the interracial, intergenerational, and intersectional unheard voices living in the world's most influential democracy. Welcome to our new episode of This is Democracy. Today we're discussing a very difficult uh, and important topic, and a topic hopefully that can open opportunities for rethinking the world we're in today. Uh, this is uh, the topic of anti-Semitism. Uh, where does it come from? Why does it seem to be growing in our society today? And, and what can we do about it? Uh, we're very fortunate to have with us a uh, friend and uh, important activist in our community and in our nation, uh, Renee LaFerre. Uh, Renee, welcome. Thank you for having me. So wonderful to have you here. Uh, Renee is the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League in Austin, Texas, and the Anti-Defamation League, often known as ADL, uh, does some of the most important, consistent, and influential work on fighting hatred uh, in our society. We're going to talk to Renee after we hear Zachary Suri's poem. Uh, what is the title of your poem today, Zachary? Uh, Can't Feel the Raindrops, a song for Pittsburgh 10, 27, 18. Well, let's hear it. Walk through the rain, trying to whistle into the wind, but the rainfall along the hillside can't drown the pain I'm in. But I live under Pittsburgh skies and breathe under Pittsburgh eyes, and I can't feel the raindrops anymore. Lie, 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 like the leaves under my feet. Lie, 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 like the dreams I hope to meet. Lie, lie, lie. And they say if you remove the words, it makes a song holy. But does it really matter when bullets fly and leave us holy too? And they say if you go back, you can only bruise yourself. But I'm tired of sleeping in the dark, and I've got no other place to go. Walk through the rain, trying to whistle into the wind. But the rainfall along the hillside can't drown the pain I'm in. But I live under Pittsburgh skies, and breathe under Pittsburgh eyes. And I can't feel the raindrops anymore. Lie, 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 like the highway coming from the east. Lie, 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 like the darkening parking lot in the silver slip of a moon long gone away. Lie, lie, lie. Lie, lie, lie. And they say if you would just forget, if you would just remember to move on. But I can't help but think it's not. Some bomb under the grocery cart, some accidental slip of the hand. That it's more than just the day, the place. It's more than just the man under the bridge. But I can't remember to move on until I forget what we left behind today. Walk through the rain, trying to whistle into the wind. But the rainfall along the hillside can't drown the pain I'm in. But I live under Pittsburgh skies and breathe under Pittsburgh eyes, and I can't feel the raindrops anymore. Lie, 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 lie. And somewhere a siren roared, a man slept in the moonlight, and I, lie, 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 lie awake, lie, 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 at night in wonder, lie, lie, why? Walk through the rain, trying to whistle into the wind, but the rain fall along the hillside can't drown the pain I'm in. But I live under Pittsburgh skies and breathe under Pittsburgh eyes, and I can't feel the raindrops anymore. And I can't feel the raindrops anymore. That's incredibly powerful, Zachary. Uh, what inspired you to write this uh, poem? Well, this is this poem is really my personal reckoning with the tragic uh, shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh uh, in October 2018, and it, I think the the message of my poem is more that. It may seem that this event was sort of an anomaly, but it just feels like um, it's been. But for me, it feels like it's just coming to the surface again. That it's that anti-Semitism is something that has been in our society for so long, and it was just coming to the surface again. Wow, wow, Renee, um, what is anti-Semitism? How do we understand this this hatred that Zachary's talking about here? Well, anti-Semitism is like a lot of other isms is when 
people have a prejudice or discrimination against a Jewish person or a or the Jewish people. That's like the basic definition. And and how does it often express itself uh, in our society today? Um, in a myriad of forms. <laughs> um, I brought with me today this thing called the pyramid of hate. Yes. Okay. And it's kind of like a construct of how ADL kind of like views the world. Yes. And the pyramid of hate is is basically a pyramid where there's five steps on the pyramid, and the top of the pyramid is genocide, which is the worst form of is is the ultimate form of showing what happens if hate goes unchecked, right? But you can't get to the top of the pyramid without the bottom. So these are all of the different manifestations of hate. So at the top of the pyramid is genocide, and then below that is bias-motivated violence, which is an example of Pittsburgh, like you talked about so beautifully in your poem. Um, and below that is discrimination, and then acts of bias, and then biased attitudes. So basically... These are all different ways that anti-Semitism shows itself. It can show itself in name-calling. It can show itself, recently we've seen a spate of increases in desecrations of cemeteries, um, of discrimination at the workplace, in, you know, desecrations of synagogues, yes. in, in all sorts of ways like that. Those are the ways that it manifests itself, but it's really based on beliefs under that of certain people. And, and why has anti-Semitism been around so long? Why, why have we seen it for such a long period? That's a really good question. I mean, it's, it's the tropes of anti-Semitism have been around for millennia. Right. Um, right. And they're based in a, a couple of different things that you just keep seeing recurring over time. For example, um, the Protocols of Zion, right. which was a a not true book that was written and adopted as truth, even though it was not, mm -hmm. um, which talks about Jewish domination of the world and conspiring to control things um, and for some reason, those attitudes take place. And when things are bad in society and people are looking for a scapegoat, many times the Jews are the people who are the scapegoat. Right, right. And why, why is that? Why, why do Jews seem to be the target of hatred in so many moments in so many ways? Um, so there's a gentleman at ADL. His name is Kenny Jacobson. Um, he's been there for 45 years. He has He is like the world-renowned expert on this. And he once explained it to me as that anti-Semitism in some ways is different than a lot of the other isms or racism or other forms of ism because it's the only one where it's not taken on face value, where you see where people look at you and they think like you're Jewish, but really you have an under, you know, an undercurrent of something that's not honest or fair and you aren't what you seem. And, and that's what it is. Like racism against people of, you know, is like, let's say Islamophobia. It's because you're as a Muslim, but if you get, because you're a Jew, it's something kind of different. Right. It's, it, it's almost a conspiracy theory that it, somehow behind the scenes, yes. the Jews of the world are getting together as the protocols of, of Zion claims right? and uh, somehow trying to ruin, uh, run the world one way or another. Yes. Well, that's, that's one of the tropes. There's, there's several, hmm. but that's one of the ones and it does recur and you see it throughout the ages. Um, in different times when there's been sicknesses, you've seen them say, oh, it's because of the Jews. Right, right. The Jews, you know, so it's it's all sorts of things. I was in 
in Prague a few years ago and I was on a tour and they explained that there was a lot of anti-Semitism hundreds of years ago because the Jews didn't die from different plagues as often as other people and they thought it was something going on, but it probably had to do more with the hand-washing rituals. Right. Of course. Of right. Course, the control of germs right. more than anything right. else. So, so in, our, in American society over the last 100 years or so, uh, Jews have actually done, done better uh, economically and socially uh, than they have in, in almost any other society at almost any other time. And, and Austin's a good example of that, where we have a relatively prosperous and growing Jewish community. Why, in, in, in spite of that, uh, does anti-Semitism uh, remain so strong in our society? You would imagine that our society would be moving forward, that we would be overcoming this. Why does that not seem to be the case? Well, first of all, compared to 100 years ago, ADL was founded 106 years ago, okay, with a two-pronged mission. The first part of the mission was to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and a big and, humongous and, secure justice and fair treatment for all. Because in the wisdom of our founders, they realized that if you don't secure justice and fair treatment for everyone, you're not going to also do it for the Jewish people. But if you look at the world in 1913 and you read the ads that were in the newspapers, unless you were white, male, and Protestant, there was very little that was open to you. Right. So since then, I mean, if you look kind of like at the civil rights movement mm-hmm. of this country over the last 100 years in terms of housing discrimination and, and, and discrimination in schools... ADL has been like right along with it because they knew that as we opened up society, everyone would benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And that it's our duty, our, our duty to work for everyone. It is still prevalent, but it's not as bad as it was a hundred years ago in this country. And, you know, when it started off, why, you know, there were Brandeis was founded pretty much because Jewish kids couldn't, there was quotas on how many were allowed into colleges, Right. which, um, so I would say now we're in much better shape than we were 100 years ago, but the underlying feelings and the underlying tropes now in some ways are getting magnified on places like social media. Mm-hmm. And there's audiences that of, of, let's just say, of people who don't like other people who have found homes with each other online. I see. So I have like this story that I talk about. If you look at in the 1950s, like what what are some of the things that ADL has done in the last 100 years that like our top 10 list? One of them would be this thing called the demasking laws of the 1950s, which we were involved in, which basically says you have the First Amendment right to say whatever you want, to think whatever you want. You're allowed to be a bigot. You just got to take off the mask. Right. So what happened after that is Ku Klux Klan membership dropped precipitously and it's never recovered. Mm hmm. So in some ways, we have a new form of mask today, and that new form of mask is the internet. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. And so as a consequence of the anonymity that people can have on the internet, they can uh, almost, uh, without retribution, um, say all kinds of hateful things. Correct. Right? And, and, and why does that get picked up? Why does that spread? Why, why do people listen to that and read that? I think it's because of their fears or their misunderstandings of others or not understanding others or thinking that other people are going to take things away from them. I mean, um, so there that's kind of what we're seeing. But we're seeing like it, the anti-Semitism that we're seeing today. I mean, there are so many more opportunities for all sorts of people in this country than there were you know, even 50 years ago. We still have ways to go, but it doesn't mean that people aren't born or raised hating. I mean, we believe that you can be taught to not hate people, but that everyone is kind of born and you are taught to hate. Right, and and some people take that in 
very early in their in their lives, right? Correct. Um, is anti-Semitism becoming more of a problem now, it's, uh, along with more opportunities opening up? What would you say are the trends you've seen in the last decade uh, that you've been uh, in this important role at ADL? I would say that now the trends are moving upward a little bit over just a few years ago. Um, in this country right now, we seem to be heavily divided and our ways that we are fighting them are often pointing out the differences in others of which Jewish people fall into that category. Sure. So it's not just Jewish people. It's, you know, Muslims right now. It's um, immigrant populations. It's all sorts of people who are having way more problems and issues. And we understand what you have to do to stop that, but it's very hard to stop that against this perfect storm of of hatred and angry anger coming from all sorts of people with social media to amplify individual messages. Mm-hmm. Is there a role leaders are playing in our society today in encouraging or discouraging this? How, how would you characterize that? Um, I think that people emulate their leaders. And I think people on all sides. Mm-hmm. We see magnified speech everywhere, you know. Um, and this is not a partisan issue. This is, we try and stay not partisan, but right. principled. It's important, of course. But yes, I think that, I think Mayor Adler has a way of, 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 of explaining what happened in Germany in like the 1930s that I think is really instructive for now, is that when the Nazi party was in power, well, before they got in power, they were kind of like a fringe group. Mm-hmm. And this was right before hyperinflation and the, and the terrible things that happened in Germany. But they were, they, they had economic policies and major anti-Semitism. Okay. And then no one was paying attention to them. And then the, the people right next to them on the political spectrum said, okay, well, if we don't really care about what they say about anti-Semitism or about Jews, but we do like their economic policies. And so then the next group joined them. Mm-hmm. And then if the next group joined them, then group number three said, oh, if group number two is joining them, right. then we can join them. And pretty soon they're being elected. Right. And so if we don't stop the, the like on this pyramid of hate, if we don't stop the biased attitudes and the acts of bias at the lowest end of this pyramid, then we're going to be in trouble because things will will grow into more dangerous. This is the problem of uh, certain biased attitudes and behaviors becoming normalized. Correct. And if we Thank stop you. speaking out against them, they become uh, acceptable behavior. They become the societal norms. Right. So does this get us into the range of unconscious bias, which is sometimes a controversial topic? Um, unconscious bias is a controversial topic. We believe that everyone has unconscious bias, that we're all born that way. Mm-hmm. And that we each have to work hard to recognize our own unconscious bias so that it doesn't affect the people that we serve or the people that we work with or the people that we teach. So that, but we think it's just very, it's just human. If you are a human, you have unconscious bias. Not everyone agrees with that. Um, And we spend a lot of time because of the biased attitudes, we spend a lot of time trying to teach people to recognize those so that when they do, they can 
they're very conscious of what they're doing so that they can kind of make up for whatever it is that they're feeling internally. Right. right. And and we should say that ADL does this for not just anti-Semitism, but for all kinds of, of hatred, anti Islamophobia, Correct. Uh, et cetera. Zachary, did you have a question? Um, yeah. How do we reckon uh, the rise in anti the, the, the steady rise in anti-Semitism in the past few years with, with the fact that more Jews are being elected to higher office are seen in these like more powerful positions. Does that lead to more anti-Semitism or is that something that shows progress? Great question. Both. <laughs> okay, that's an excellent question. Um, in my opinion, I think it, it shows both. One is that there's been a great deal of progress and that people are becoming more and more accepting of others. Um, on the other hand, it feeds those who believe that there's a conspiracy to control things right. or that the, that Jews have too much power. So I think it, it, that's the answer to your question. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, on that note, we have a student question uh, from Samantha Chen, and she's curious about the connections between anti-Semitism um, and anti-Zionism, anti-Zionism being a critique of the state of Israel. We, we don't need to talk about Israeli policy on this podcast, but more the attitudes towards uh, anti-Semitism and towards the, the, uh, the creation of the state of Israel. Let's hear her question. Hi, my name is Samantha Chen, and my question is, is there a difference between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism? Renee? Yes, so anti-Zionism has its own definition, which I'm going to read. Um, Anti-Zionism is a prejudice against the Jewish movement for self-determination and the right of the Jewish people to a homeland in the state of Israel. It may be motivated by or result in anti-Semitism, or it may create a climate in which anti-Semitism becomes more acceptable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they are different. They are different. And also in terms of, you know, anti-Israel bias, ADL believes that you can have attitudes and beliefs that are against that, that you don't believe in Israel policy. If all you want to do, if you want to, you know, criticize Israel, all you have to do is open Israeli newspapers and you right. see a lot of criticism of the state of Israel. <laughs> this is so true. More in Israel from Israeli Jews than you often hear from Americans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but there are times when anti-Israel criticism does cross the line of anti-Semitism, yes. and that's what we're seeing more of yes. today. Yes, and this is a really important point, though. Uh, to to criticize the actions of a particular state does not make one racist uh, or, or or someone who's hateful. Uh, one can do that in a thoughtful way. We're talking here about the, the hate of people and the prejudice and bias, bias toward people because of their religion or because of their race, which is different from policy criticism. Correct. Um, we have another question uh, about the 2020 presidential election and various candidates, and uh, let's hear that. That's from Gimolette Castellano. How can the 2020 presidential candidates address anti-Semitism, and what are the dangers of not acknowledging it? So what, what, what are you hoping to see from presidential candidates with regard to this difficult topic of anti-Semitism, Renee? Again, I'm going to put this in the context of all isms. Um, I think presidential candidates or whoever is president should not tolerate racism, anti-Muslim rhetoric of any kind, anti-Semitism. They they need to lead as the voice of people who are accepting of others and model behavior for others. And and by not accepting, does that mean speaking out actively against? Yes, absolutely. Shutting it down. 
Right, so they should call it out. Shut it down. And then, and then I mean, ADL, I mean, our big belief is that when we get phone calls about things, our first goal is to educate people. Yes. I mean, we're not interested in finger wagging. Right. Unless, unless we've tried education and that's not working. Right. Very well said. Very well said. What can our listeners do? Many of our listeners are young people uh, and, and citizens of various kinds who I think are concerned about this, concerned about uh, watching what happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue that Zachary spoke about so eloquently, uh, but also the manifestations of hatred uh, in so many other forms, the, uh, the shooting at the church in Charleston, South Carolina, right, uh, where we see so many examples. These are just two of many, unfortunately, of individuals acting out violently toward particular groups because of explicit hatred often circulated on, in social media. What, what, what can we as citizens do about this? Um, you can participate by... There, I have like... I, I wrote a little list of what people Fantastic. of what people could do. We like lists. We like lists of, of things. First of all, you can learn about what the issues are. I mean, I think that's really important. Um, ADL is a great resource. There's all sorts of resources online to learn, not just about anti-Semitism, but about racism and about what's going on kind of in those worlds and what people are seeing and what their concerns are. And this is ADL.org. ADL.org. Great. And ADL, actually, because we have the second half of our of what our mission statement is, we have a lot of information on everything. And materials that can be used. And materials. We have table talks for how to handle certain current events that you can do around your 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 um, table at dinner at night mm-hmm. about how to talk about important issues with your kids. Um, not just about anti-Semitism, but, but about major issues that are going on around social justice issues and things like that. We also have curriculum online that are free to everyone about different issues. Really good. I've used some of them, actually. Really. Have you? Yeah. Yes. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um also, you can speak out against it and learn to be an ally. And being an ally is there's different ways of doing it. And the goal is always to do it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found like at bullying in school, if there's another person there who speaks up for the person who's being bull- bullied against the perpetrator, that really derails things pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that ADL really looks at is is never again. And that concept comes from the Holocaust and making sure things like that and genocide never happen again. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they have in different parts of the world. Um, But to stop the behaviors at the low end of the pyramid, we all need to participate. Um, There was, before the last presidential election, there was a kind of targeted troll campaign against Jewish journalists. Yes. Where they, there was some sort of plug-in where if you were Jewish and you were identified as Jewish as a journalist, you had three parentheses put around your name. Mm. Um, and this became, they became targeted by trolls and received thousands of really hateful, horrible tweets, um, you know, about, you know, Holocaust imagery with their family. And, you know, it's all sorts of really terrible things. Um, what other people started doing is they started adding parentheses to their own name. And that took a little bit of the steam out of out of the perpetrators. Mm. So there's kind of clever ways that you can really fight things. Um, this we just finished Passover, or we're yes. kind of in the middle of Passover. But on ADL's website again, there's right now a list of ten modern plagues, um, and under each of the plagues that's listed is an action item. So for example, the first one is anti-Semitism, and then Islamophobia, 
and then racism, and then ableism, and what the 10 modern plagues are. Mm-hmm. And under each item is an action item. One is, you know, to call a congressman about a particular bill, and one is to read this comic, and if you ever see something that's going on, here's a way to handle a particular situation and to educate yourself, or to get involved in organizations like ADL or their counterparts and other and others. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What, what in general, though, what, what, what do you hope to see uh, in the daily behaviors of individuals. I think about this a lot because I, I have the great fortune of working with so many students and traveling to many places and meeting lots of groups. And it, it, it does strike me that we're in a moment, uh, in part because of broader divisions in our society and the nature of our political discourse, where there there is more hate, uh, just on a daily basis. Uh, I was you know, watching the NBA playoffs. There's more arguing with, re- with referees. People seem to be more combative than ever before. What What can we do about that? So what I've really tried hard to do in the last few years is try to understand why people feel so differently than I. So Mm -hmm. I really try and seek out people who have different opinions than I do and sit down with them and try to understand why. Yes. Why we may not vote the same way or why, you know, in a very creative, safe space to have honest and open dialogue with with people who are different from ourselves yes whether it's different political persuasions or people from different ethnic groups or people of different races to try and understand their lens and if we can all go out and engage nicely and com- and understand going in that we're not going to agree on everything but the the uh, the purpose is to understand a different perspective and understand the value and perspective and that really the beauty of our democracy is that we're all allowed to have these different perspectives yes. in this big melting messy pot you know of 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 differences yeah that's beautifully said zachary what do you think about that reaching out to people from different points of view and really sitting and talking and trying to get to understand them is that possible yeah, i think that's really possible i think that um the issue of anti-semitism has really I think that um, we we're doing a much better job educating people about it. I think that that's really important because I see it in my, my daily life at school that people are much more aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the education um, on, on, the top, on these topics is really important. And I think that when, when, when students have teachers who they trust speaking to them about these issues, uh, they feel much more comfortable embracing these ideas right. of acceptance right. and and kindness. I, I, I think what underlies a lot of what we've discussed here is that there is a, there's, there's a place for hate, unfortunately, in passivity. And that active engagement around the issues is often the most uh, effective way of helping good citizens to see beyond uh, the conscious and unconscious biases that they bring to their work. And that includes all of us. Uh, in many ways, Renee. I also think that we right now have these echo chambers of the news yes. we choose. Yes. So I try really hard. I don't do this for everything, but I try on major stories. I look at the New York Times and the Washington Post. I mean, and the Wall Street Journal, and CNN and Fox right. News because right. I want to know every different perspective how they're viewing the same story. Right. Right. And and. Uh, 
opening oneself to different perspectives does not mean that one has to accept hate, right? No. No, as a matter of fact, when I've done that and I've been able to explain the perspective I'm coming from, I'm also often able to help people see a different perspective that they hadn't thought of before. Yes, yes. I I think ADL has done such a good job in in helping people to, to examine themselves and see the world around them better. And I think we all have room to learn in that area. And it's hard work. The the internal work is really hard and it's not as scalable as I'd like it to be. No, It really is one person at a time. I think that's right. I think that's right. And we all have a role to play and we all can make a positive difference by finding people around us who we should spend more time talking to about our different points of view. Correct. And then the last thing is if you see an incident, report it. Yes. You can report it to ADL. These numbers drive things. Yes. I mean, I didn't understand the importance of collecting data until I worked at ADL. Yes. Um, numbers drive policy, and they drive you know attention to different issues. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things are important. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Zachary, as a final uh, question, do do you are you optimistic? that uh, people of your generation are uh, more conscious of these issues and will do more to try to fight hate going forward? Yes, I definitely think that there's a large consensus concerning the problems of hate in our society. And I think that even people who are apathetic to politics really like are repulsed by some of the hatred that we see around us. But I do also think that there needs to be more talk of things such as unconscious bias or the normalizing of prejudice because though I see a lot of hope and progress on these issues I also see a lot of issues of people saying things that are have become normal right. but when you stop and think about them are really biased and 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 hurtful to many people yeah. well I think a call to action for all of us today from this wonderful podcast and the insights from Renee LaFair and, and from Zachary and others uh, a call to action should be to talk more and uh, engage more with people who see the world in different ways and to call out bad behavior and, and hateful attitudes. We shouldn't allow them to linger. Uh, we should support free speech, but also uh, call out the bad behavior that sometimes becomes normalized. I think this is something we all can do, and I'm hopeful we will. Thank you for joining this episode of This Is Democracy. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.